circumstances the Marlins team weren't facing So yeah, sorry everybody. Um, <laughs> man, I suck. Alright, so yeah, now our microphones are on. Let me actually lower the music in this game. Um, we're finally on here. And we were talking, we're, we're, well, I guess we'll start the show with Tyler Skaggs. Let's take it from the top. Yeah. Miraculous things that were happening. Um, and, and just, I guess, the reaction from, I guess, the sports community. Yeah, I mean, I'll piggyback off of what we were saying before we realized we're off. You know, this is a good feel-good moment for the Angels because typically when a young person dies, any kind of high-profile player or medium-profile player dies, and suspect circumstances, it kind of turns into a complete negative. Uh, you don't know what the media is going to be speculating about the cause of death, but to be able to go out there as a team, to do a team no-hitter, to have you know bombs from Mike Trout setting out, and having Skag's mom being able to throw that first pitch and like lay it down the line really well. Oh no, she nice yeah, pitch. she put it right down the middle. Oh yeah, you can tell he got it from his mama. Oh yeah. Uh, so you know, it, it's kind of going forward. We talked about how when Jose died, it, it left like a big void. I think sometimes too the circumstances were different because, unfortunately, I hate to say this, but Jose's death led to just going back to one. Oh, you didn't even go back to one. You went back to zero. Uh yeah, the Marlins were. I mean, gosh, when he died, we lost our ace. I mean, it completely devastated the team from an emotional and a, a baseball perspective, actually. Yeah, and here you have the Angels, who they're they're going to try to make a playoff attempt, you know, for that second wild card. Whether they get it is in between, and even though I don't want to sound insensitive, but I'm be honest, I don't know if Tyler Skaggs is pitching for the catapult to them, but losing your number three or four pitcher is going to hurt anyway. Uh, but this kind of emotional baggage that comes down hits you. You know, it's good for them if they're able to persevere, not just in this game, but every other game that follows suit until the end of the season. Yeah. Uh, what, he was a what, a three or fourth starter? I believe he was the, uh, like a three or a four. Yeah, he's been on the Angels for about four years, I think. And wow, this is this is a god awful. Okay, so I'm looking at the lineup here for the the Marlins. This is, I think, circa 2006 Marlins because, uh, and after they traded away um, Mike Wool and, and Josh Beckett to the Red Sox, so we have Hanley Ramirez, who is not even it's not even his real face. It's just kind of like a a really like uncanny valley render he of a human like, being it looks like carlton carlton lost that oh that's true <laughs> kind of looks like carlton uh jeremy hermita that that does not look like jeremy hermita um it looks like you put on a ton of weight there that's definitely not jeremy hermita it looks like a mobster. uh that's pokey reese that is pokey reese uh he won the world series with the red sox in 2004 i believe so and that's miggy miggy when he was about 400 pounds less um uh, back when he was skinny and thin. Uh, let's see. I, Chris, I don't even know who Chris Aguila is. I don't even remember this guy. Um, Mike Jacobs is also uh, computer rendering. Uh, Miguel Olivo, okay, that's he's a real human being there. Uh, I don't even know. Joe, I don't even know if this guy even exists. Joe Levesque, I think they just made him up. And then you got Dontrell, the. Uh, I, I love Dontrell. Yeah. Uh, jo Josh Willingham is also a computer render. Uh, a ton of these Marlins because 
Well, I don't even know why Lenny Harris is a render because he's a real human being that played in the league for so long. Not even sure how that happened. Um, so, uh, that's not... Okay, Joe Borowski. Uh, yeah, this... The Marlins are just made up of a ton of guys that they think exist, but maybe not. There's Jason Vargas. Uh, he was on the Marlins? I don't even remember that. Um, yeah, this is... This was the 2006 Marlins. I think they hired Joe Girardi to to manage this team, and he won the, the National League Manager of the Year that year. Because the Marlins won, like... Um, I think they won, like, 70-something games. Like, 70 games. Not anything spectacular, but they were projected to lose, like, 100. Well, didn't we have the post-All-Star break rise? Yeah, they were they were doing kind of average, below average, and then that second half of the season, he just killed it. Yeah, they, the Marlins killed it enough to at least make 70 wins, or 70-something wins, but that, I think it was like 74 wins or something, or 75. And then and then uh, Jeffrey Loria promptly fired Joe Girardi that following, <laughs> that's that off-season. And uh, he went off to... 78-84. Yeah, there we go. Okay, 78 wins. And then he went off to manage the Yankees, and lo and behold, they win the World Series, who's like three seasons later. I feel he was underrated, even with the Yankeeville, because I mean, I knew it was time to head out because he lost the faith in Cashman, or Cashman lost faith in him, and once the cash daddy it loses is time faith in you, you don't come back. Here on yeah. 2K Sports. Uh, I'm Jimmy Zalasko kind of with my colleague Steve Pizzio, coming at Miami you today from our Hardball Central Studios. Gloria's Gloria. He is basically the light version of James Dolan off in the Knicks world. Mm. So I felt like he got a bum rap. But that, that 2006 team had potential, but it was that influx of guys that you want to get rid of the contracts followed by a bunch of no-name I events. think they had like a $15 million payroll. I think it was something ridiculously low like that. Yeah, and he just wanted out. Yeah. Because didn't you trade Miggy the following year? We traded Miggy in the offseason of 2007, actually. Okay. So Miggy stayed for at least a couple seasons. Um, we traded Miggy to the to the Tigers, along with Dontrell Willis, for Andrew Miller and Cameron Maven. Um, Looking back, right? Cameron Maven uh, didn't turn out to be the player that he was. And uh, Andrew Miller was not a particularly good starter, but, you know, reclaimed his career by being a really good reliever. Um, and Cameron Mabin has just been, a, I guess, an all-right utility man. I mean, he's with the Yankees right now. Yeah, he's Assuming with the Yankees. Assuming he doesn't get options. And uh, let's see, Andrew Miller won the World Series with the Red Sox in 2013, I believe. And, and Cameron Mabin won in 2017 with the... Um, with the the Astros, yeah. So, and I think eventually Cameron maybe did go back to play for the Marlins in 2018. I think. So, yeah, because I think that's who traded us in. So uh, he was like, "I'll do you a solid." <laughs> yeah, after he, uh, you guys gave, uh, got Giancarlo. Okay. First off, how do I throw the second? There we go. Okay, perfect. Oh, the oh the controls are a little backwards because I'm using the classic controller, which has a Super Nintendo layout, and this has made it for the GameCube. So, might have to switch controllers, but. Um, all right, so let's see. So, um, 
I don't know, the All-Star game happened. Home Run Derby. The Home Run Derby was really good. Let's start with that one real quick. You know, Home Run Derby, we talked about the last show and we'll talk about now. It's always like my favorite kind of skills or utility uh, thing, you know, or event that you can have at any kind of All-Star. And it, boy, was it really Vladdy Guerrero Jr.'s coming out party. And the thing that I got to tell people is temper your expectations because just because he hits 60 long balls in a simulated setting where the intent is to hit home runs, it doesn't mean that he's going to be this guy who breaks, you know, Chase and McGuire and Sosa yeah. in that sense. But it's refreshing that you could be there as a rookie, you know, and then get to this point. I mean, he's been hyped for, what, the last two seasons now? Yeah, he was said to be, like, the biggest prospect this side of you know toronto i guess uh so <laughs> it, it was it was good it was competitive because i can't even remember the guy who beat him out um but it was just an interesting kind of dynamic and fun oh uh, well uh well yeah it was um well he had the uh was it the 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 swing off Mm-hmm. Which was where everybody was just going freaking nuts, nuts with him and Jock Peterson. Yeah, and Jock and him were going toe to toe, and it yeah. just took like one missed ball, man. Yeah, yeah, it did. Um, and then finally, uh, Pete Alonso beats uh, Acuna, so the Mets actually have something good from uh, from all this freaking mismanagement and everything that they they've got going on. The Mets are. Always uh, one of the more dysfunctional franchises in, in sports, really. In sports. Everything New York based tends to be disorganized. What? The Yankees and. Yeah, the New York Rangers are actually. They, they signed Artemi Panarin, and, and surprisingly, James Dolan hasn't ruined them. Uh, he's ruined the Knicks, but he hasn't ruined the New York Rangers because I, I, I don't think he particularly cares too much about them. So, but I think they're one of the more, more profitable hockey teams, right? They're like yeah, the they're either they're either one or two. They're either one or two. I mean, they're in New York City. They've been, you know, they've been a team for so long, and and um, and so he, they, I guess he just kind of runs it on autopilot, really. He's like, okay, I'll, I'll hire the guys, let them do their thing, and then uh, you know, whatever. Uh, and, and the Rangers, uh, if they make the Stanley Cup Finals, that's fine, you know, but. My beloved Knicks, that I can't seem to to uh, stop tampering with, to the point where Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving head to Brooklyn of all places, and not even play there. Yeah, one and two. Well, was it the latest Forbes report? I guess Toronto, Montreal. I mean, it's usually Toronto, Montreal, New York. Those three kind of go up and down with the profitability with in the NHL. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, Pitt Alonzo, he's a dirty gator, but, um, it was really nice what he, he I guess he donated his, his winnings to charity. Yeah. Or half of them to charity, so that was really, uh, a nice, very classy thing to do. Um, so, anyways, I guess segueing from the NHL, so, hold on, let me... Let me head on over to the search screen here. Uh, let's see. I'll let the computer take over for now. 
so like you guys know me uh, I like doing graphic design and all that crap right I'm, 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 I'm on the side you know I did all the you know all the designs and stuff for the show and I've been uh, doing it since I was in college so let me uh, let me head on over to good old Twitter here and so so as far as hockey is concerned there's some signings happening here and there um, some some trades and everything but as far as the Florida Panthers are concerned there's not much activity going on maybe they're signing some of their uh, their guys down in the AHL to two-way contracts and whatnot but nothing nothing really substantial outside of that um, so I kind of mess with things over the offseason with regards to graphics and and what have you so uh, I posted this and this kind of this tweet here that it's time for this Florida Panthers and I, t I put their their Twitter handle there and it's a, a Miami Heat inspired vice look to the Florida Panthers now the Panthers originally played at the Miami arena the same arena the Miami Heat played at uh, for their first five seasons of existence then they moved over to Sunrise Florida uh, one county up north uh, and things haven't really gone well in Sunrise since they moved from Miami but uh, I thought this this would be a pretty cool thing for them to do uh, basically just take the color scheme of the heat and apply it to their to their look uh, they have their, their leaping cat all of their their new logos and that last sun tree uh, palm tree and, and uh, sun and, and stick logo I had to recreate from their old one. It's a modernized version of it. And I actually had to make the Florida script from scratch uh, in the same style as the Miami Heat's Vice uh, look, which is taken from the Miami Arena's logo. Anyways, I posted that and let me head on down to uh, this. I posted a Vice Knights black uniform uh, basically the same style that the heat had last season black with blue script uh, pink pink numbers and the black helmet and blue logos and all, all that such so and then I uh, posted this and I have a white version as well so I'm getting comments like looks like the Miami subs jersey please no some people are kind of on the fence hmm, not sure about these uh, and appreciating my creativity so that's nice this guy said how could you resist and I you know I posted some you know very Miami Vice inspired graphics and stuff this guy said I just threw up in my mouth <laughs> um, and then uh, which this guy replied please don't this isn't shitty shooty hoops to which I replied I think you I believe it's called crappy shot ball good sir uh, this person says I'm feeling it puts a, a gif from uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine uh, and I'm, I'm gonna try hopefully this thing will scroll down more because I'm trying to get it down there there we go uh, this guy just put a bunch of fire emojis uh, this guy also had a uh, 
more primitive looking concept than mine, but same style. Uh, this person posted nice. Uh, those are lit. That's another person. This guy posted, what the cinnamon toast fuck is this? Which I, to which I, I also enjoyed that very much. Uh, this person just put terrible, to which somebody else replied hater to him. And uh, I posted on Reddit as well, and the Reddit comments are actually a ton more positive. Twitter seems to have more of the vocal uh, negative comments than, I, than I've ever seen. And I've seen a lot of, and there's more, there's more to this. There's more no's and, and replies to that, but it, it's, it's caused a bit of a rift. I, I was very surprised. I was very surprised that there were so many people that vehemently hated it. And it, it started off with the negative, and then the people that wanted it positively are, are chiming in. Some are even, like, tweeting out to... Uh, broadcasters panthers broadcasters and stuff hey what do you guys think about this so i don't know maybe maybe i can start a movement i, I don't know charles i don't know what you think of these it, it's kind of weird to seeing it on a hockey jersey but you know you got for first off what people need to realize is sometimes change is necessary when you're so on the bottom of a league of a concept you're not even the real florida team for hockey that would really go to the Tampa Bay Lightning in my opinion uh, shots fired for Panther fans and people who know more about hockey than I do you know my knowledge of hockey is probably 10% but hot takes are hot takes and I'm gonna melt the ice with my hot take yeah you gotta appeal to the fun I mean one of the things about the Carolina Hurricanes is they ran with a what bunch of jerks concept right uh, <laughs> they, they had fun with it. They they made promotions out of it. They made money out of it. Merchandise. It kept them interested. Kept people invested, especially if they were, were going to go further into the Stanley Cup playoffs and make it to the finals, which they didn't. Thank you, Boston. Uh, come that for me. Ooh, uh, I, I think it's good. Plus, it's only just a night. What people have to realize is that look at how, what happened when the Vice jerseys came out to Miami Heat and made people invest. Invested in a season or a time that was kind of dark. It was, yeah. I mean, was it they debuted that in the. Uh, yeah, actually, no, the year he came back. It was the year he came back. It was the year he came back. It was the 2017-2018 season. And I think they had that before he actually came back. So yeah, they released it like January of 2018. So like like two months before they traded him, uh, Cleveland traded him to Miami. But yeah, it brought some spark because people were like, holy crap. I didn't think this would actually... Because there was skepticism, like, hey, the Heat are going to come out with something like this. And it's like, okay, well. And then they came out. And you saw them wearing it. And it's like, wow. Any other team, it probably doesn't work. But for the Heat, Miami, it all works. It all kind of all kind of fits together, you know? And then when Dwayne Wade came back, it was just like, okay, it was over. They, the Heat couldn't even keep up, keep up with the demand after that. I think people ordered their jerseys and they had to wait until, like, like the summer. Like July until they got their jerseys with the with Dwayne Wade on there, it was crazy. Yeah, I I have a pair of shoes for the for the black ones. The when they came out with the black ones this past season, they came out with the black ones and then they had the one off where they played one game wearing a pink version of it. So, I mean the Heat, 
they and they're, I think this season it, it was leaked. They're coming out with the blue one. So now they have all the colors: white, black, pink, and blue. So they've made all four colors. They've milked it beyond anything that they could have ever imagined. Here's my question to you: What is the compelling reason of why not? What is the the thing that says absolutely not? The Panthers need not to be this is because you don't identify it's, as Miami. It's okay for. Like, I guess there's two sides to it. There's the, I mean, there's many sides to it, but I'll start with what you just said, the regional aspect. The Panthers haven't played in Miami since 1998. Uh, that's when they moved into Sunrise. Um, they haven't played in Miami since 98. But I would argue that, well, I pretty much uh, of their 25 seasons, I think only like eight of them have counted and the rest have just been misery. <laughs> and media and mediocrity when it did matter when you guys went deep into well uh, yeah from 90 from 93 to 98 the panthers made the playoffs in 96 and and 96 97 and they were one point away in 93 and 94 or 94 95 actually which was astounding for an expansion team which was basically a bunch of cast-offs and not in the sense that the Golden Knights had it. The Vegas Golden Knights had had much, much better uh, expansion rules than the Florida Panthers and Anaheim Ducks or the Atlanta Thrashers, the Nashville Predators, the Minnesota Wild, and the uh, and the Columbus Blue Jackets got in that that decade. So this is just a bunch of, and that's what made the Panthers cool. They were in Florida. You know, the Lightning also um, were, they, they were there, but they weren't as good. So it was just this kind of culmination of everything that went right for the Panthers, especially in 96. That that season saved the Panthers in South Florida. They were probably going to move if, if they didn't have that season. So everything great about the Panthers, even to, to, to now, that's their best season ever. People reminisce about the time when they were in Miami, not in Sunrise. Now, hopefully, with Coach Quinville and the new guys here, um, and yeah, also higher level of talent in the league. That's that's a very good note, BU. Did you also sign like the second best free agent of Barkovsky? I think that's his name. Oh, Bobrovsky's are yeah. He was the best. He was the best goalie on the market, and I guess you could make the argument he was the second best free agent on the market. It was him and Artemi Panarin uh, on the market. So the Panthers are trying to turn it around. But going back to this, commit to it. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's been this kind of there, there is this kind of kind of sort of rivalry between Broward County and Miami Dade County, and Broward County kind of has some sort of sometimes an inferiority complex. Now I'm from West Palm Beach. I'm from Palm Beach County. All right, so I don't have a dog in the fight. Uh, I cheer for the, the, the teams down south because, you know, they're the closest ones. And, and usually when they mean South Florida, they include Palm Beach, Broward, and Miami-Dade. So, um, but Broward County, the Panthers really are that team. The, Pan the, the Dolphins are moving their practice facilities out of Davie, which is in Broward, down to Miami Gardens next to their stadium. So, Broward County is going to just have the Panthers as their only professional sports franchise, uh, uh, barring the so the MLS team uh, having some weird arrangement in, in Fort Lauderdale as well. Um, so there's that aspect saying, oh, the Panthers don't play Miami. They don't play Miami anymore. Oh, they used to. 
and that was their best the best era of their of their history so uh yeah you know it'd be nice to embrace that it'd be pretty cool in fact no i don't think any other nhl team could actually get away with this outside of florida um so there's that um and, and i guess there's the other thing with hockey as the fan base of hockey the fan base of hockey, they're not very reluctant. They're very reluctant to change, I would say. Um, a lot of people still hate the fact that there's shootouts instead of uh, just ending a game in a tie, which drives me up the wall because uh, I hate ties. That's why I can't watch soccer. I can't watch. I can't watch something, a sporting event, and not have any sort of culmination, no, no result. Okay, freaking Roger Federer and uh, and Djokovic. Uh, uh, played five hours in the sun and came to a freaking ending to their match, okay? The hockey players can do the same, all right? Um, ties are results, damn it. Well, they're, ties, ties are being on the fence and not having any sort of conclusion. Any sort of conclusion that I... There needs to be a winner, okay? Freaking... Uh, even Super Smash Brothers has a winner. <laughs> Mario Kart matches have winners, okay? Freaking League of Legends, all those have winners. Um, but any <laughs> mild sauce. Uh, but he vehemently disagree. Well, be you. Uh, I'm glad I didn't become an NHL fan until you know the the the, the, the creation of of the Batman points and the shootouts. Okay. Now I know the shootouts can feel cheap, but whatever. Anyways, hockey. Also, hockey doesn't really. I mean, the best uniforms in hockey tend to be the most traditional, tend to be the most uh, not sort of, not not sort of out there uniforms. I think very few teams actually get away with an out there uniform or a very unique concept. Uh, the, the Mighty Ducks, the Anaheim Ducks, uh, their Mighty Ducks look and color scheme and logo. I think people love that more than this kind of web foot D that they have right now with the orange and black. I think people prefer their old look than to this one. Uh, so I think the Ducks are a team that, that that worked with. The Panthers went with a red, black, no, uh, a red, navy, and yellow, white color scheme, which... Um, I liked I liked the combo and now they've gone with a gold and neat, uh, kind of military-esque look to them so this is very much out of their their color scheme but the heat were the same way the heat were red black uh, yellow and white and lo and behold they come out with that scheme but they do play in Miami and when you think of Miami I think you think of those colors and some people think that it's a little too out there for a hockey team but I don't even want this to be in a like like their like their permanent uniforms. I just think it would be a pretty cool alternate. Let's say if it was a, an outdoor game that they played at Marlins Park, their return to Miami. If that were to happen, uh, that would be a pretty cool look to it. it. It would catch people's attention and barring the the rea the reaction and you know just gauging the reaction from from what I posted, a lot of people are into it. A lot of people dig it. So, and I could see a lot of. Uh, like, there were people for the Miami Heat that weren't Heat fans that were buying the Heat Vice look. <laughs> now, you know you're a winner when you have that. When you have people buying your merchandise and they're not a fan of your team, but they just like the way you look. Okay? I mean, the Heat made the men's warehouse. 
of 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 uniform concepts. Okay, it was guaranteed that people like it. So I was just something I threw out there, and it, and I've done it before. I, I I still tell people I predicted the Panthers' current look, and so I'm not that far-fetched from from this. I put some thought into it. I put some some thought into the stripe patterns. Uh, it's it's the same stripe patterns the Panthers had in their original uniforms. So it's not it's not something I just kind of slap together. It's, everything is is deliberate and just the mind my mind. That's all. Anyways, that's what happened. Panthers fans are split, uh, but at least I got them riled up and talking something during the summer. So there's, you know, just something that will tide us over until uh, till September, and hopefully uh, that gets here soon. Anyways, back to this. Um, so Charles, uh, one of the I sent you guys a, a topic that, um, and I guess this kind of goes back to fandom. So there was a Bloomberg article uh, studying, you know, habits of, of sports fans now, demographics and what have you. And they came out with the conclusion that sport, um, sports fans are, I think the, the sports, professional sports industry, soccer, football, basketball, hockey, lots of stuff. I think they came out to like making like $500 billion worth of money. Crazy. Uh, but that the demographic of sports fans is older now. And there's less of them. And maybe they're spending more money, but there's less of them. Or maybe there's just more advertising dollars in it. For the, but another thing that they pointed out was the loyalty of fans. That Especially with millennials. That millennials are jumping from team to team more than ever like they're not staying loyal to one team like older fans do so i was just wondering uh, what do you think of those people are they are they communists or i don't know what do you think um all right so i am bring this into it i'm split between two teams as my major teams not counting the heat for i am a for for all sports all sports okay I am a New York Yankees fan. I have been since I was six years old. I go through the ups and the downs. I have like four Yankee hats, which is ridiculous considering the fact that they only come in black or blue, man. So I got the 2009 hat. I have like one Yankee shirt. I, I never go with jerseys because I'm cheap. And for football, I mean, I like football in general, but the team I support is the Tennessee Titans. So on one hand, I mentioned that because you have one team that couldn't get a bandwagoner even when we were good. Great. One yard away from a Super Bowl win, and then the number one seed in the AFC back in 09 when Kerry Collins, of all people, was leading them to... Oh, dear God. I forgot. I forgot. I forgot he was on that team. No one jumps on that bandwagon, even though we had some electric players such as Chris Johnson, who was CJ2K, and a couple of guys there. Versus the team that everybody who is either a casual or a bandwagon or fan comes into and supports the Yankees. And here's my thoughts on it. Who cares? Let the people like what they gotta like in this culture and like winning, right? People only like the Cleveland Browns now because they have that electricity with Baker and Odell and Jarvis and Chubb and Miles Garrett because people like winners. Yes, the diehards 
may stay with their teams, which is great. But listen, if I, I'm gonna tell you right now, you know, and Mr. Bu says yes, Smashville color scene, I can get on board with that. Um, but back to the thought process is that a lot of teams don't want to toil mediocrity. I'll give you the best example. If I was a Philadelphia 76er fan, you are not gonna get my money for the success that you have now for what you made me do to suffer in the process by just being the worst of worst, not even compete, taking my money from merchandise, taking my money to see your games when you were rolling out a whole bunch of crap. When you shipped off Michael Carter Williams, when you shipped off Nick Stoskis, he might have been with the Kings. When you shipped off all the other dudes, I don't care if this means you're going to win an Eastern Championship and then the NBA Championship to follow through. When you're tolerating that long mediocrity, when you have mismanagement, incompetence, and just a dumb owner, I'm out. So in today's day and age, and listen, this might be hitting the hot topic button issue that we never want to talk about, which is... Yeah, you know, childhood sports may lead to some kind of concussion concern, so that's why parents don't have their kids play in sports to be active. Maybe that creates that apathy, maybe creates that lethargic, or maybe that creates that whole, I can choose what I want. Or maybe the other thing is that either you got parents who don't like sports, so they don't instill to you a kind of pride in a team that you should like, which was like my family, because my dad doesn't care for sports. He's like, that's nice. I'm going to take along. Or maybe there's just the whole thing, like they don't, this free will team, but let's talk about the teams everybody kind of bandwagons with. Aside from the Yankees, it's the Cowboys. It's definitely the Patriots now. Yeah, the Lakers. Uh, hockey, yeah, the, the Lakers. My God. Yeah. My God. You know, every every year, Lakers can go be NBA champions, man. I'm like you guys suck. Lakers <laughs> NBA champions. Like, as far as ho- I mean, a hockey bandwagon. I guess the latest one. Okay, I guess you would say. Well, hockey bandwagon is kind of, I mean, it just depends on who's really, really good. I, I don't think anybody's like always cheers for like the Leafs or the Red Wings. It just really depends on who's really, really good at any given moment. There's not really like those legacy bandwagons like the Lakers and the Yankees, I would say, because uh, those like, I guess the one of the more egregious ones was the Chicago Blackhawks because they won three championships in like six seasons. So... That bandwagon got really like all of a sudden these Blackhawks fans just showed up out of nowhere, and of course the Blackhawks were like terrible for like for like so many years before that, like like eight seasons or something like that, and then um, and then didn't win a Stanley Cup since like the '60s, so the early '60s too, uh, during the original six era. So that was a very annoying bandwagon to get with. The, the Pittsburgh Penguins bandwagon happened. As well, because uh, they won back-to-back championships. Um, yeah, huh, I'm reading B.U.'s comments. Santa Cup runs coincided with ownership that actually was like, yeah. I mean, the Blackhawks thing was. Uh, I mean, their their that was a dollar bill. Wirtz was their owner who uh, was notoriously cheap and very stubborn. And then like his son took over after his dad died, and all of a sudden the Blackhawks are like. You know what? Maybe we should broadcast our home games to our fans. Maybe they could actually see us. Uh, and then it just took off from there. Uh, but anyways, aside from that, um, yeah, those are the bandwagons. But sorry, Charles. Go, I, I, I kind of derailed there for a no, bit. No, you're good because I typed into it because you're going somewhere. But I think sometimes it's maybe the market because... Holy... The <laughs> right, just Manny Ramirez and his steroids just hit a home run at Yankee Stadium. But sorry. <laughs> Lo and behold. 
Um, San Francisco Giants, when they were pulling off that dynasty, and I think when you win three World Series within six years, it's a dynasty to me, you, you couldn't get a, a lick of, um, you know, concern or, you know, a fan base out there. So maybe it's also kind of like the embodiment of metropolitan cities or just big-name cities. Even the Miami Heat, you know, when LeBron and Big Three came in, there was a lot of people who jumped on into it, but is it a situation where maybe maybe we dissolve from being really team centered as fans to player centric fans? Oh no, it that's happened. That's what's happened, and that's what's look. I'm a I'm of the other side, the old school side, where you just you cheer for your team and and you and you stick with them through thick and thin, you know. Now I have wavered a bit uh, lately because. Because look, I've uh, let's see, the first sports team that I liked the the Marlins when they were the Florida Marlins, and then I became a fan of the Dolphins because you know they played in the same stadium, and then from there, uh, basketball with the Heat when Dwayne Wade came on the scene that 2003-04 season, that's when I like I you know was like holy crap, and then 2011 was when I became a fan of the Panthers, so. And, and you know it all—it's all convenient because I'm from down here. And okay, let's just cheer for all the teams down here. So, and I stick with teams through thick and thin. Like, like I've been through a lot of. Like, I remember around 2002, like the Marlins. You know, they just—you know—they never won. It's like, man, and I was a kid too. I'm like, man, it, it really sucks <laughs> that you know they keep losing. I wish they could win, you know. But then, like the fall, you know, they—they sign Pudge. I'm like, oh, this is exciting. And all of a sudden, like, that 2003 season started happening. It's like, holy crap, this is what winning feels like? What is this feeling? And then they just win the World Series. And that's why those, you know, the, the guys in that roster are, like, you know, my personal heroes, you know? Like, man, those guys. And so from there on, I was like, yeah, I'm a Marlins fan for life, from you know, through thick and thin because I went through the thick and look what happened, you know? So for me, jumping from team to team uh, liking a certain player or just jumping from team to team and and following them, I feel like it's I feel like it's a little cheaper in a sense. As a as a human being, you, it feels a lot cheaper because it's like, oh, well, you I, of course I can just like any good team and just feel good about winning a championship every season. Okay, uh, all right, I'm a Toronto Raptors fan now because they just won, and hey. Uh, you know, I'm a I'm a I'm a St. Louis Blues fan because they just won. You know, I feel like that's really cheap. Does those Blues fans? I mean, they hadn't made the Stanley Cup for like 49 years. Like those Blues fans that went through like Brett Hall and and all those seasons, all those the the agony. Just ha- they've had really good teams that just disappointed, and then they finally break through. The same thing with the Washington Capitals the the, the season prior. Like Alex Ovechkin couldn't win, and the the Capitals were so bad when they were starting out, and then they somehow just like finally pulled it together. Always losing to the Penguins, and then they finally beat the Penguins. And like if you were a fan for the of the Capitals for like ten seasons prior to that, like winning that Stanley Cup, I think it means more to you. It feels much better to you than somebody that just kind of jumped on the bandwagon that that season. You know, that's and I don't know. I just feel like the fans, people who just jump from team to team, it's cheap. It's kind of cheap. Um, 
it, it's just a cheap way of, of going through life, okay? Alright, fine, you know? Um, as far, I mean, ultimately it's sports and it really doesn't truly matter, but uh, I think you get more of a sense of community when you cheer for one single team. You more sense of, because, I mean, if you're a fan of LeBron James, that means, and just LeBron James, that means you have to converse with all these different communities and you have to converse with Lakers fans now and, and you don't. And yeah, you can brush up on the Lakers history, but you're not going to be the same as a as a diehard Lakers fan like uh, like Cesar. He's a diehard Lakers fan. He's from LA through and through. Like, and that's not bandwagoning. He's just you know he's he's straight up from Los Angeles, you know. And there's there's uh, Charles's Lord and Savior Derek Jeter, the base hit up the middle. Uh, Maybe phrase his name. Yeah, and he's stuck with the Yankees all these years. So when the Yankees do win, it means more to him. So. It's 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 not as and you can't say he's a bandwagoner because hey he's he's cheered for them since he was six so I, I don't know it, I think jumping from team to team I've had like when I started liking baseball I liked the Marlins as a team and my favorite player was Sammy Sosa okay so and I you know Sammy Sosa was on the Chicago Cubs he had the home run race with Mark McGuire all that stuff. But then my loyalty came to a head when the Marlins faced the Cubs in 2003. And I decided right then and there, like, if the if the Marlins lose this series, I hope the New York Yankees win the World Series. <laughs> like, that's how bad it got. Like, I didn't want the Cubs to win at all, despite the fact that Sammy Sosa was on the team. So, I don't know. Sports fans are irrational. And holy crap, look at that home run. Who hit that? Hideki Matsui with... Uh, a home run over to that really short porch in old Yankee Stadium. There you go, Charles. They're, they're against the Red Sox of all teams. So let me ask you this. Because this is going to permeate into a, a bigger issue or go into a bigger issue. So I'm looking at BU's comments right now. Sorry. Just, yeah. no, you're good, you're good. I mean, yeah, he's from New England. Of course. Yeah. Cheer for the Red Sox and the Bruins and the Patriots and the Celtics, dude. I mean, that's that's your given right. And yeah, you guys are annoying. But, you know, it just means our other teams just have to get good, you know. We love you all this time. Um, let me ask you this, and BU, you can comment on this too, because I feel that you might have some good insight onto it. Has the issue not just been bandwagoning, but has the issue also been that we are now, for a lot of the, for all generations, I guess, we're developing second favorite teams? Oh, teams that we enjoy watching. I have. Takes away. I have. As a result, and this is an example, as a result of the Marlins not making the playoffs since 2003. And not having a winning season since 2009, I've adopted over the years through a second National League team and a, and a favorite American League team. So my, my sister married my brother-in-law, um, and he's a St. Louis Cardinals fan. Okay, He's from Arkansas. Closest team to him was the Cardinals, so he became a Cardinals fan um, through, through all, all his life. So, you know, just as a, as a sign of solidarity, you know, if the Marlins aren't doing well, which is pretty much every season, <laughs> you know, my second team, if, I, if any other team were to win a World Series, I would say, okay, the St. Louis Cardinals, despite the, despite the fact that they have 11 championships already, but, you know, second most successful franchise in baseball. 
So that, and then when the Astros decided to move their spring training complex from Kissimmee to West Palm Beach, I'm you know I'm West Palm Beach through and through. I'm the, and West Palm Beach didn't have a a team since like '98 or something uh, come for spring training. I'm like, okay, I'm fully on board supporting the Astros because they're an American League team now, and you know they're. Uh, and they're supporting West Palm Beach, so you know I can go see them whenever I'm home and stuff. So, and lo and behold, they win the World Series that first season. They they come to West Palm Beach, so that was pretty cool um, to see. Uh, so yeah, I bought an Astros hat. I have a Cardinals hat. So I have an Astros and Cardinals hat. That's the only non that's the only non Marlins baseball team caps that I own right now. So. So to conclude that thought, I might have to develop a second NFL team because, woof, the Dolphins. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but well, I mean, with NFL, I think it's easier to like find a team if you do like fantasy football or something like that because you want to like. That also has affected uh, loyalties. Fantasy yeah. sports has affected loyalties. I, I when I did fantasy football and I knew the Titans' defense was going to get decimated by New England, I made sure if I had Tom Brady which I did at one point. I was like, put him in and enjoy the 40 points that you're going to get out of it because he's going to destroy my team. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So it's definitely one of those things to cater because I think we're we're moving away from the diehard of one sport or one team for that sport, and we're at least developing and branching out to at least having two teams that you enjoy to watch within that sport because now the sports, for all intents and purposes, are is enjoyable to watch. Right. Football, hockey, you know, I mean, I can't say for any of the sports there's just a – that there's teams I refuse to watch. Hell, I'll watch – you know, I used to watch like Cleveland Brown games. They were horrible, but I'm like, okay, let's see what happens. <laughs> oh yeah. Playing. Um, yeah, there might be a guy on the team. Oh, I might also get some points here out of this. You know. Yeah. I, I mean, it's. I, I think there there is a good side to this, and I would say that, um, because people are changing loyalties so willingly especially because they're following favorite players especially the nba because look what has happened russell westbrook is in houston now okay chris paul because there's no such thing as a superstar on a team there's just a superstar who the team is lucky enough to have right so i mean uh, you know lebron and ad and in, in los angeles Kawhi and paul george and all uh, and, you know, for the clippers right now I mean, so it creates a, I think the good thing is it creates an incentive for teams to actually do get good because look, the loyalty of your hardcore fans at some point, that's, you know, you're either going to lose a lot of people just because you suck or people are dying off. Okay. <laughs> I keep saying that about the dolphins. I, I, I could tell you very much. The dolphins are a perfect example. The Dolphins have lost a generation of, of football fans in South Florida. They have lost it. Like, people born and raised here that are not Dolphins fans because they've sucked so much. Um, I've, I have cousins that are the Cowboys fans, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, San Francisco 49ers fans. Not Dolphins fans whatsoever. Born and raised here because they've sucked so long, so much. They, and they haven't had any great notable, notable players to like and to cling on to. So, um, hey, look, the Dolphins are finally rebuilding. 
because they, hey, look, we actually have to get good because, you know, at some point, the 1972, those those guys are dying off. Those perfect season Dolphins, those guys are dying off, and so are their fans. So, um, gotta get good, okay? And I'm, and it creates an incentive. I mean, not every city is like like the New York Knicks. They sell out every game, no matter how terrible they are. Um, if you gotta get good. So I, yeah, I mean, uh, you have to have a vision. Even the New York Yankees, if you've seen their attendance when they had lean years, people don't even go. They didn't go see them in New York. And the, the, I mean, Yankees fans have high standards. Real Yankees fans have high standards. We had a stretch where we, before we traded for Chapman and all that, yeah, we, we didn't make the playoffs for like two years in a row. Right. Mind you, we were well ahead of 500. It's just baseball is a super competitive sport where you could have been in a different division and won that division, but the AL East is just a monster. Right. So you don't get into it. And you demand it. I think for us, and I'll, I'll compare and contrast between the Yankees and Tennessee, and I think my point will be made, is that as long as the ownership has the vision that you need, I'll stay with it because that's how it should be, right? Because they're the ones who are demanding me to go to their games, pay my money in merchandise. Like the Yankees said, hey, we're going to rebuild, we're going to relaunch, we're going to retool when all these vets retire. For the Titans, here's the thing, guys. They went 2-14 and 14 back-to-back. They were the number one pick for two years in a row in the Mariota era. Mm-hmm. But they had a vision. They said, listen, we're getting rid of all these nasty contracts. No Vince Young, no Chris Johnsons, no uh, everybody in the defensive end, Wesley Woodyard's Guys, it's been so long to remember their names. And we're going to try to draft well. They can't keep a coach for their life dependent on it because they went through Munchak, they went through Ken Wisenhunt, they went through Mike Malarkey, and then now we're at Mike Vrabel. But the release is a vision of how to build the team and how to sell it to people. If you can sell the team and you can sell the vision, I think you keep your fans because if not, you'll be stuck with Cleveland Brown. You, who literally went 0 and 16. Yeah. I mean, you can keep your fans and you can gain new ones. I mean, you've that. I mean, that's, I think, uh, another thing is, I mean, the sustained success is the hard part as well because uh, keeping fans around, because, look, um, if you're, if you have a, like, the players want to be in good situations. So that also is another incentive for teams to get good. The NBA is all over the place with it right now, but, um like, uh, I, I think, like, a player like Giannis, if the Milwaukee Bucks have set themselves up to put good guys around him, he's going to stay. I think he's just one of those guys that's going to stay. And guess what? That's going to build the brand of the Milwaukee Bucks. That's going to build the fan base of the Bucks because, hey, Giannis has stayed, and he's with the Bucks, and I'm going to be a Bucks fan. If Giannis is there for, like, a decade... It's gonna be hard for someone to be like, oh man, he's if he if he goes away, he retires or whatever, to say, oh, I'm not a Bucks fan anymore because that's a long time to be tied to one team. You're gonna start caring about them. You might go see them for a game or two, you know, when they pass by. Like that's that's also what what needs to happen. I mean, the NBA is mostly teams that are mostly the same teams win every year. I mean, was it? They they have the least amount of parity in sports, so I, I would say the fact that there's pe- people I think for that reason in the NBA especially people are more fans of players because only really really there's only like 
what, six or seven teams that have been really good in the last 20 years, 25 years? The Chicago Bulls, the San Antonio Spurs. Look at who's made the finals. It was all LeBron-led teams. Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking back. The Chicago Bulls with Jordan, the San Antonio Spurs, the... Yeah, the, the Pistons had that one year. The Mavericks had that one year. The Raptors have that one year. The Lakers, the Miami Heat. The Nets, do you count going back to backs? I, I'm just saying the guys who won it all. You know, I mean, and you know, because you've had challengers, you had all those challengers to Michael Jordan, the the Lakers, the Trailblazers, the SuperSonics, the Jazz. All those teams tried to beat them and they couldn't. The the Suns, um, the Lakers, the same thing. It was what the Nets, the Pacers, and the Sixers all couldn't win. Uh, the same, the Spurs, the Heats, the they lost to, uh, they beat the Heat, the Pistons, the was it the Knicks, uh, and the Nets. So the Spurs are also a team that you know, but usually it's just that that not many teams that are, you know, just in the NBA that that are sustaining success to that level. Baseball, it's different. Football, it's different. Hockey, it's different. So. I think you'll you see more loyalty to the to the teams in those sports, but um, the NBA it's not the same. And I can't say anything about soccer really, to be honest. So <laughs> I'm not even gonna try. I, so uh, let's see, Charles, we're coming up at the halfway point. So you kind of know what that means, right? Oh yeah. Alrighty, perfect. So. Word from our non-sponsors, so let me uh, let me get the, uh, the the graphic up. We uh, we honor people, places, things, um, stuff that we just like over the past week. So I don't know. You want to start it off? Holy crap! That's a big hit right there. Who hit that? David Ortiz, big poppy. Okay, before he got shot. Uh, <laughs> okay. He's he's alive. I can I can make fun of it right now. He's still alive. So uh, go ahead if you want to talk, Charles. Well, you know my 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 non-sponsor may not be a big poppy, but I'll tell you now he was at one point the big guy in the sport of golf. And I only bring it up because you know I talk a lot, guys. I talk a lot, and my mouth gets kind of dry, gets kind of parched, and water sometimes can do it. But anytime I go to Publix, all these BJs, and I see a, a picture of a man who took a very simple concept of selling his brand, his face, by just mixing a little bit of lemonade, a little bit of iced tea, to create the quintessential Arnie Palmer, I get excited, and I buy as much of that as I can. And before we started the show, I was sipping on a cool one with the boys of Arnold Palmer. And so my non-sponsor of the week is going to be Arnold Palmer iced tea, half lemonade. Uh, great concoction if you want something a little sugary sweet without it being soda. I don't really drink a lot of soda, and I don't necessarily like a lot of juice because half the time it's not even juice or it's like contains 10% juice. I'm like, what the hell does it contain? Battery acid for the remainder? <laughs> Here, even if it's artificial to a degree, it tastes real to me. It's like, you know, implants. If I can feel them, they're real. So Arnie Palmer, get yourself a little bit of half and half of lemonade and iced tea and enjoy it. Uh, you know, promo code quenched. Oh, yeah. I mean, we see a, a few examples here from uh, different companies. You got from Arizona. You have that. Uh, you have a spiked half and half now uh, for Ar- Arnold Palmer. That I think I just saw commercials for that. So yeah, the, the Arnold Palmer uh, is. You have extra instructions here how to make the perfect 
Arnold Palmer from uh, Chef Dennis, whoever the hell that is. Uh, uh, whether you drink a classic Arnold Palmer with iced tea and lemonade or mix a little high octane with vodka. Perfect drink for summer. And just like Charles said. Alrighty. Yeah, I, I do enjoy uh, very much that drink as well, Charles. I, I can't have it much, but, you know, yeah, I don't I don't like to drink my calories, but, you know, sometimes you just got to have it, right? Yes. Alrighty. So uh, my my non-sponsor this week, I'm going to have to give it to, uh, I, I've been watching a show lately, a very, uh, very out-of-the-box show, but I, I love it all the same. I, I'm going to give it to uh, a, a show called Mike Tyson Mysteries. Yeah. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, uh, f- a former professional boxer, former uh, NES uh classic character who hasn't appeared in Super Smash Brothers yet but you know we have Sakurai could always make that change uh, Mike Tyson has a cartoon show called Mike Tyson Mysteries on uh, on Adult Swim Cartoon Network uh, and it's it's very much uh, akin to all those Hanna-Barbera 70s era cartoons in in the style and, and pace I guess the pacing we're not we're not the pacing but at least the style and music is concerned but it's it's one of the it, it's crazy it's it's mike tyson uh a retired boxer in this he solves mysteries so people send him uh questions and 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 and, and try to get him to help in, in solving their mysteries by way of carrier pigeon for those of you who don't know mike tyson is very much a uh a carer of pigeons so people send him through a pigeon uh, their their messages. He has a uh, an Asian American daughter which he adopted in the show, and he is um, accompanied by the ghost of the Marcus of Queensberry. And I had to look this up, but apparently the Marcus of Queensberry is the guy who at least lent his name to the modern rules of boxing. So that's why he has this ghost following him around. So it's the guy who basically, uh, his name is the rules of boxing. The modern rules of boxing is this guy's name. Um, And he's also uh, accompanied by a talking pigeon uh, who used to be a human being, but his wife turned him into a pigeon because he was uh, unfaithful to her. And they just call him Pigeon. Uh, and he's, he's voiced by Norm Macdonald, which makes this even funny. And and the the Marcus of Queensberry is voiced by um, by Jim Rash. For those of you who don't know, he was uh, the dean in Community. Uh, in the movie. Oh yeah, so that's so you got a, a pretty good cast here. And surprisingly, Mike Tyson is very funny. Just the fact that it's him, and he pokes fun at himself. Uh, he makes fun of like, you can see other other boxers are, are referenced in it um, <laughs> he even references him biting Evander Holyfield in it as well um, and just and the show is completely random and there's no sense to it whatsoever but for some reason it's crazy enough to work it just works the show just works it's it's on its fourth season right now so the show just works and uh, yeah, this, I've been I've been binge watching Mike Tyson mysteries. So that's my non-sponsor, is is this show. So yeah, that's it. All right. So um, 
Uh, heading back to this, uh, let me look at the scores right now. The Rays are beating the Yankees 2-1 to one out in Yankee Stadium. The Ooh. Phillies are winning against the Dodgers 6-1 to one in Philly. The Nats are up 2-1 to one against the Orioles Beltway Series. Uh, the Tigers are losing to the Indians 7-0. The Blue Jays are beating the Red Sox 4-1. The Marlins are winning 7-3 to right now against the Padres after the second inning. So they're, they're doing all right for now. The Arizona Diamondbacks just started against the Rangers. The Cubs just started against the Reds. And I think the Brewers and the Braves are about to start. Or actually, they just started right now. They just updated. So there's that. Um... Uh, what did I want to mention about baseball right now? Well, actually, I wanted to see how the tank race was going. So let me uh, let me look at that. L- look that up real quick. Um, if there's anything you want to mention, Charles, I don't know anything about baseball since it's kind of the thing that's going on right now. There's not really much else. Things have died down for the NBA. Even though we could talk about the whether you want Chris Paul on the Heat or not. We'll talk on baseball since we have there. Right now, for those who are like, eh, what's so great about baseball? This is what's great about baseball, because July is really when the season starts. It's when everything's kind of whittled down from pretenders to contenders. You get the trade deadline that's coming up, and everybody's going to make that desperate <laughs> Whoa. Push. Yeah, I'm uh, sorry. Uh, I'm looking at the uh, the score of this simulated game I have here. The Yankees just beat the Red Sox 10 to 9. <laughs> It sounds like they're a London game. I'll tell you that. Oh, yeah. That's right. They did play in London. They did. It yeah. It's just long ball city, man. Yeah. And that makeshift field they made out of a cricket field. Yeah, it was so bad. I hope we never play there again. Ugh. I was sweating bullets because so many home runs were given up in the first couple innings of each game. They had a, what, between two games, they had a combined, like, almost 40 to 50 runs in there. I don't know. Something extravagant. Um, it, it was crazy. But, you know, right now you keep an eye on for the wild card standings. Right now, Tampa and Cleveland are leading it. But right behind Cleveland is Oakland, who is tied technically with Cleveland for a spot. And then the Red Sox are two games back. Rangers are three games back. Los Angeles four and a half games out of it. Then we go to National League, and that's just that's just a you know, Western Oh, no, the, the, right the National League, yeah, the National League is just made up of a bunch of teams that really – <laughs> they're all beating up on each other and nobody seems to want any of the playoff spots except for the Dodgers and the Braves and it's just so exciting oh no it's great I can't tell you which team is going to get decimated by the Dodgers on their way to the third consecutive World Series but I want to see how badly they exhaust them until they meet whoever the AL representative is hopefully the Yankees and then lose because that would be the Dodgers fan base to be that good they go three years in a row being the best team for the World Series, and then just lose. I mean, I mean, they'd be losing to every American League juggernaut at that point. Oh my God. It'd be the, the Astros, the Red Sox, and then the Yankees, which have been With the best teams the last three seasons, you know? With two different managers, Mattingly and now Roberts. No, 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 Roberts. No, Mattingly never got the Dodgers to the oh, World that's Series. that's right. Roberts went back-to-back. It's right. Just, he got... He basically, they had that agreement, hey, get the hell out of Dodge because you can never finish it because they were projected to be the team that goes into the World Series and they always lost in the divisional round. Right, exactly. That's even better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, no. That's... What do you hire? You, you, let's, ask, let's ask the fun question. You are the owners of the uh, 
Los Angeles Dodgers. You are leading like a new kind of greatness. They they have they have spent the GDP of uh of of more than most countries the last what six seven seasons to try and win the World Series. And let's say you get the World Series for a third time and you lose, do you fire Dave Roberts? I, 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 I can't. It, it's I the Ron Washington effect, right? I can't even see how they would do that. Like, what? Well, Texas did to Ron Washington. Yeah, I mean. Back to back, he had a little bit of the Coke problem. And uh, yeah, yeah, I mean. Uh, I, I can't justify them firing him, to be I honest, because, either. because I mean, uh, unless he did something so egregious in the World Series that it cost him the World Series. I can't see a scenario where it's like, okay, the guy has pushed pretty much every button right. He has, I mean, the Dodgers have the talent. They have young talent, even worse. That you know, these are guys that supposedly are just gonna get better. Uh, they have one one of the best pitchers of the generation. Uh, Another one on the way. Exactly. So, the Dodgers haven't just, and they just haven't done it. They've, for whatever reason. All the resources in the world, the fan base, everything else, everything that you could ever want in a major league franchise, I just can't win it. I mean, it, I guess, I guess it, yeah, I mean, it goes to show as far as uh, you know, just money, money just can't buy the World Series. It really can't. As much as people have said, oh, the Yankees and the Red Sox have done it, well, they have to actually win it. Yeah, had great managers. I mean, Tori, I don't think was. You know, ever given enough credit, and that's what happens when no, you're a it, Joe, for Joe Torre pretty much had the same kind of like the the uh, the Phil Jackson effect, where it's like, oh, uh, of course anybody can win with this lineup. It's like, well, no, not really. Uh, not everybody can manage hard, that. Look how hard scenario. it was for um, Girardi to just replicate 2009. It was right. a flash in the pan, and we never came really that close afterwards. That's true. That's true. You guys, everything kind of came together that season, and you guys faced a, a, a Phillies team that was defending champion that year. Yeah. So, and with what Roy Halladay and Cliff Lee on that squad or something like that. I think they also had Roy Oswald. Pedro Martinez was on that team as well. Um, yeah, that that was. It's really hard, and I think that I can't just I can't see the Dodgers doing. I don't even know who they would hire. To replace them, I mean, who's out there that could even be just as good, or, 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 or they would just make change for the sake of change, but it could just make things worse, like, basically, like you said with the Rangers. Hey, maybe you hire Ron Washington, who is a bench coach for Atlanta, and you give him a little bit of that redemption. I, I mean, yeah, but, but then you, I mean, it, it is tough. I mean, I don't. I, I don't know what other manager would be on the market or, or an up-and-coming guy that could do just as well. I mean, what was it? Well, the Dodgers lost in how many games last year? Six games? Was it six games? Yes, I believe. And I think in five against the, the Astros, right? I so, the other way around. Well, either way, I mean, I think it's... They've... I, they haven't really had the best of series in the World Series. So... I don't know. I, I I can't see the Dodgers firing Dave Roberts outside of something really egregious. Um, as far as the rest of the National League, even like the Braves, I th okay. Let me talk. Okay, I hate on the Braves all the time, but it's justified, right? Okay, the Braves are once again the beneficiaries of a 
of what I would say is a mediocre division. Okay? I don't think that the, the Phillies aren't as good as they thought they would be. Uh, or at least haven't turned it on as they, or whatever. The Nationals are hanging in there. They, they kind of turned things around a bit uh, to kind of get back into the wild card race because they were struggling there. The Mets are a mess, as always. And the Marlins are the worst team in the National League. So the and the Braves have beaten up on the Marlins. I, I don't know what the record is, but I, I don't think the I think the Marlins have won only like two games against the Braves this year. So you can you can put a lot of the Braves' success on just beating up on on a on two teams in the National League that are haven't played to expectations: the Mets and the Marlins. Uh, so I think once the Braves make the playoffs and have to face the Los Angeles Dodgers or something in the NLCS, they'll just fold like much of those 90s Braves and early 2000s Braves did as well. They just fold to, to whatever the superior team really is. Um, even then, so I think the Braves are kind of like a, like a false, uh, false contender, I would say. All right, it's kind of full okay. there. It, it kind of—I mean, that's kind of what happened to them last year. Yeah, they just kind of faded out. Yeah, the Braves last match. year. Yeah, they kind of won their division by default in a sense, and uh, it, it kind of aching to me a little, maybe a little to the American League Central. I don't really know how good the Twins really are. Um, the Indians have picked it up again, and. So, but at the same time, you know, they have, they have some pretty bad teams at the bottom of that division. So I don't really know how good they are. I don't, I, I still don't see either the Indians or the, or the Twins making much of anything. And I think that really in the American League, it's just those three teams, the Rays, the Red Sox, and the Yankees, and the Astros. That, that actually could have a shot at this. Um... The Yankees, you get all those, all those, uh, I mean, all those injuries and somehow you guys still, you know, and yeah, they do need pitching, um, uh, because that's the only way that it's the only thing that's going to carry them through October. Um, I, I don't think they can, uh, hit their way through October. At some point they're going to face off against a really good staff. Um, Astros, man, that's a scary one. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably the one team that you guys don't really match up well against. Um, and then, uh, so that's the National League. Um, the, the NL Central is probably the most interesting because <laughs> nobody seems to be running away with it. And even the Cincinnati Reds are five and a half games back and <laughs> with a losing record could still get a hot streak and be back in that division race. So that's an interesting thing. And then finally, I got here on the screen, the tankathon here. The Baltimore Orioles truly are terrible. They haven't won 30 games yet. Uh, they have a 301 win percentage and are leading the tank race just three games ahead of the Detroit Tigers who have finally have embraced the tank. I think the Tigers kind of wavered a bit with contending and then they have finally embraced the tank. Uh, that's great and all. The Kansas City Royals, terrible. The Toronto Blue Jays have uh, also, um, and they have a great, a lot of young talent, but still 
tanking their way through, and the Marlins are right there, continuing on. It's surprising. I didn't think the Marlins would be this far ahead of uh, of of like the Tigers or the Blue Jays, but lo and behold, they're they're the fifth worst team in the league. So, and they might have a. Sh I mean, the Mariners. It looks like the Mariners have a shot of because they they've lost four in a row, so. Uh, they might have revved up their tank a bit as well. And the Mariners could uh, sell off some of whatever talent they have left at the trading deadline and and uh, and further kick that tank into high gear. The Mets are kind of still there trying to figure out what they what they really do need to embrace the tank at some point. And, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of the baseball races from here on. Uh, that's – there we go. Uh, let's, let me see uh, Cricket World Cup and absolutely bonkers in him because the refs fucked up. I, I, I can't say anything I don't know I don't even know that that, that was going on but um, alright Charles uh, I know you had uh, a lot of things to say about wrestling so let's let's head on out there let's head on out to your to your cage are we, we head into the, the cage oh yeah we're here already dude we are here all right, so ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the cage with Charles. As I say uh, every time before I saw a weekly Trueplex, wrestling is not fake, it is scripted. It's basically grown men and women telling a story in Halloween costumes of love, of drama, of chasing glory, and being the underdog and being a certified badass. So this weekend, we didn't have just one, but we had two pay-per-views. One for AEW All Elite Wrestling, the expected expected i would say is a fair word competition or true competition for the wwe and then we had the wwe uh, extreme rules pay-per-view so starting with the AEW's pay-per-view fight for the fallen which streamed live on police report uh streaming services because it's tnt so you know turner has their hands all over it i watched a few matches pretty good but you know like matches you want to check out would probably be the rhodes brothers versus the young bucks that was a pretty nice setup. You had the Young Bucks and Cody Rhodes, who are friends in real life. They're also the executive presidents or vice presidents for AEW because they're cool with Shad Khan telling a story of, you know, brothers going against brothers to see who is the best tag team out there uh, for AEW. Very important because soon they're going to announce the AEW tag team championships that are going to be announced once the show premieres in october in addition to that they'll have a couple other things like they'll have a tournament to, to kind of set everything up the match was pretty good pretty i, I won't say it's amazing or i won't say it's elite but something that you could watch out to and then there was a couple of uh, duds that came in like brandy rose the wife of cody rose one against ally not so great. There was a couple of interferences that came in there. Blah. Another uh, match that really kind of set it up for people was Kenny Omega versus Sema. Sema is head president of the Oriental Wrestling something. I don't remember the whole name, so you got to bear with me on that one. But it was kind of there to kind of create a brand and let people know what's going on there. But the pay-per-view itself was more of just like a a good kind of like taster of what the talent is because now this is their third pay-per-view that they've done. Uh, this one I don't believe was paid for though because they've done the last two streamings that they had and then they had the all out not all out but they had the double or nothing pay-per-view that was purchasable still is from there but it, it was definitely it didn't pique my fancy because I know it's kind of a little bit of filler 
Quake's definitely something that can interest people um, to build up for a taste of what's to come in October to get you excited for the for the slew of people and the slew of stories and the slew of matches that are going to come in. The next thing, WWE Extreme Rules. Very controversial pay-per-view for a lot of people. Very enjoyable, I gotta say. Like, these last two WWE pay-per-views were kind of sinkers with Superstar Showdown and Stomping Grounds. Granted, I'm not going to be as toxic as the fan base that are out there. So when Extreme Rules was coming in, and the first match that they were going to start was Roman Reigns and The Undertaker versus Shane McMahon and Drew McIntyre, I thought I was going to leave a bad taste in my mouth. But you know what? Taker came up, and Taker showed up, and Taker did pretty well. Much better than his botch match with Goldberg. They, uh, they really kind of killed it. You know, they did pretty well. It was a fun pay-per-view match. The whole concept of Extreme Rules is the idea that's akin to its ECW days, where it's going to be violent and gruesome and bloody. Of course, in the PG era, you're not going to get that, but you might get a couple of kendo sticks, a couple of swearings. So I did like the Taker match. The match of the night, though, was Braun Strowman versus Bobby Lashley in a last man standing match. Oh man, it was well done. It's how you do Haas fights. Two big burly men going at it like they hate each other. Bobby Lashley took a, a spot on the outside because they were battling out in the arena, like in the entrance way of the arena, not outside of it, but inside of it. And Braun kind of did a suplex on him. And Jesus, man, he landed on his back. That was like, ah, I wouldn't take that bump. And then ended with a big old power slam through and Braun won. Another surprising thing for Extreme Rules was you had the winner-take-all mixed match or mixed gender tag match of Becky Lynch and Seth Rollins, both respective cha uh, champions in the division, Raw Women's Champion, Universal Champion versus Baron Corbin and Lacey Evans. It was Extreme Rules, which means, hey, we're going to use some weapons, don't look at too much, but if Becky and Seth lost, they lose both their titles. Needless to say, it had a pretty interesting uh, finish. What happened was Baron Corbin set Becky Lynch up for the end of days, his finisher. So they actually showed a you know man attacking a woman, which is common in the wrestling community, not in WWE anymore. They usually don't do it, but it was done to make Seth look crazy because in real life, Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch are dating. So the idea is to shoot off and make him go crazy. So if Seth like, destroys, Seth just destroys Baron, but then what happens? You hear the Brock Lesnar music that we talked about on the show way back when Money in the Bank, because Brock Lesnar won Mr. Money in the Bank, and then Brock cashed in and won the Universal Championship. And I am very happy because as much as I like Seth Rollins, the best kind of babyface is the guy who's always chasing the title, never on top. Plus, it creates a story for Brock. So the pay-per-view was pretty good. If I had to rate it, I'd give it like a B plus. I enjoyed it. But something even better happened. We finally, Francisco, finally okay. had a payoff to Bray Wyatt in the Firefly Funhouse segment. Oh. The big guy who came out looking like Mr. Rogers. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Bro, it went beyond belief. Because, you know, he introduced the Fiend, which looked like a demented Joker. And everybody's wondering, when's he going to show up? When's he going to show up? But last night he showed up on Monday Night Raw, and he attacked Finn Balor. And it was something of a pretty good horror movie, because Finn wins over Samoa Joe. And all of a sudden, you just hear the screeching sound, and you see a new, slim, you know, buff Ray just kind of grabbing Finn, setting up his finisher, close up on the mask, and then he just hits his finisher on Bray and, or on Finn, and now it's now it's Bray's time. So I was very excited. So overall, the product's happy. And why is the product good? Because the playoffs are over. Because Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff are taking over a new kind of regime, but more importantly, we're coming to SummerSlam, baby. It's a month away. SummerSlam's one of the big four pay-per-views. You gotta bring out your best for the best. 
So, so this is it's it's all ramping up to to this moment. So they're basically they're taking their this is their shot. This is their shot to kind of capture people's attention again. Precisely, it's to kind of say, hey, we know we done goof. <laughs> I know some people aren't happy with Brock holding the belt, but listen, Seth's whole feud with Baron was leaving it stale. Plus, you actually have a real story because Seth got a rematch out of it. Uh, so he's going to be going against Brock at SummerSlam. So you have a continuation. That's what you'll want sometimes, especially with a big-name big guy like Brock, and especially with a guy like Seth that you're trying to put over to be the face of your brand on Raw since Roman's over on SmackDown. Allegedly, because the wild card rules there, but it's kind of spotty. It makes no sense. Also, I'll give one other shout out to the pay per view. A big uh, guy. I'm a big fan of Aleister Black and Cesaro. Went at it uh, in a regular exhibition match, grudge match, whatever you call it. Man, they did some cool spots. There was a spot where Aleister was trying to do a double knees from the top rope, and Cesaro, being a freak of nature, catches the man in midair with like his knees to his shoulder and just hits him with an uppercut. I was like, holy crap! So I'm pretty happy. I'm pretty happy here. Okay. You know, I'm pretty happy with what we're doing with wrestling. I mean, granted, it's like in life you can be disappointed so quickly, and sometimes like a roller coaster, the rush of going up comes quickly when the fear of going down happens. But for now, we're in the clear. We're in the good. Okay. So, so they've okay. So the past week has been very much something that you've been clamoring for for quite a while. Pretty much. Hmm. Okay, alrighty. So, uh, I mean, what do you think this is going to continue? Do you think this is uh, a good moment for the next week? Um, I have to see what happens with SmackDown. The momentum for any kind of wrestling event. Remember, if wrestling is twelve months of the year, you're going to have maybe five months of great wrestling stories and action, three months of some adequate good stuff, and there's always kind of a down period that happens. That if you're best if you just break even. Okay. All right. Okay, then. But you feel good. You feel good about it, though. I, I feel good. All I right. Feel good, man. Okay. All right. So let's uh, let's head on back to the, the main screen here. Um, uh, so anyways, um, what was it? Uh, I wanted to talk about, I guess... The rumors are that the OKC Thunder and the Miami Heat are in talks for possibly the Heat acquiring Chris Paul. Chris Paul, as some of you know, was mm-hmm. traded from the Houston Rockets to the OKC Thunder for Russell Westbrook. The Houston Rockets got younger because was it uh, Russ is 30 years old and and uh, Chris Paul is 34, and Chris Paul is on the wrong side of 34. Has been injured quite a lot, and Russell Westbrook has been uh, healthy, and is still very much still within his prime. Anyways, was it how much is Chris Paul getting paid? I think he has about three years and one hundred and seventeen million left. Yes, yeah, some four years, one hundred and forty. Exactly. So that's kind of the the big the big turnoff for a lot of Heat fans is okay. Yeah, we could get Chris Paul, and, and he might be a type of guy that, that could work with Jimmy Butler. Both seem to be very um, uh, demanding individuals who, who uh, work hard and stuff like that. But 
I don't think we're going to get the best of Chris Paul, and and we might just be regretting holding on to him, especially when uh, looking at the fact that the Heat would have a lot of cap space without Chris Paul to go out and get some guys in the 2021 free agency class. So that's the thing. Uh, but then there's the other argument that, hey, Chris Paul is another name, and having another name will create some excitement for the Miami Heat season. But I don't know how you would think about that, Charles. Do you want just another name coming into Miami regardless? I've always liked Chris Paul. I like his passion. I I liked him since he was still with the Hornets when he broke Kobe's ankles for one of the playoff games. But we have dished out a lot of bad contracts the last couple years. And I think what everybody kind of wants is to be successful with just one main signed guy and just see what happens. Because here's the thing, you take on Chris Paul's contract, forget the free agency. Let's see about, you know, you take on that contract, you can't even get the mid-season trades because it's such a hit on the cap because they're still paying a lot of money. You know, whether Jimmy is worth it is to be seen, but Jimmy was needed. We, I talked about this last week. I was writing the I don't get Butler thing in Philly, but here I'm a hypocrite. It's okay. Come to Miami. We'll see how you do. Uh, but we're paying that. We're playing James Johnson. We're paying... Waiters' contract, and then we're going to take on Chris Paul. And what are we really taking on Chris Paul for? I don't think it's, I don't think it's because we want Chris Paul. I think it's because we want those picks that Oklahoma has to give you in order to take on this contract. Because we would be sending, I'm assuming Gorin, and we'll probably be sending James Johnson as well, maybe Kelly Olynyk. So you got to really like make it worth our while. Can they coexist? Yes, no, maybe. Because here's the thing about being a point guard. If you hit your peak at being a starter, you're not going to be a starter anymore. You're always going to be a valuable six-man. And yes, he might be the most expensive six-man that you're getting. But yeah. here's the thing about Eric Spolstra. He doesn't care the money that you're being made. He's going to put you where he wants to put you. And you need to buy into that, right? Yeah. I mean, Paul, for what it's worth, I think he's a less defensive liability, maybe, than Goron would be. But here's the thing. I think we all think Goron, when healthy, fits. So if Goron's not healthy and we're paying the, what, one-year $19 million is a contract, but then Paul's not healthy, but we're paying him three years, 117 million. I think it's pretty, uh, pretty common sense, you know, to know who you're gonna pick. I'd rather run my britches with Goron for the next two years on a cheaper contract and see if we can draft a point guard or trade for point guards or look at other guys because you know Detroit is gonna run out of money. Maybe you want a little bit of that Reggie Jackson love as your sixth man or maybe viable starter. Because here's the thing. Do you need a star point guard to make your team better, or do you need actual, I don't know, shooters that you can do? A I mean, that was the whole point forward. of that's the only that was the whole heat point of uh, trading Tyler uh, for or drafting uh, Hero. Yeah. Um, I mean, they didn't even want to give him up because what what was it? OKC was demanding uh, Hero along with either Bam or Justice, and the Heat weren't willing to give that up. Justice and finally found his shot. Yeah, we don't trade Bam either because it's a cheap contract. You know, he's replacing Whiteside. And if he doesn't do it in the next two years, well, guess what? Miles Turner, you know, trade for that guy because who knows how long Indy can hold up for certain things. Or you just draft another big man. Maybe you get a big man who can actually shoot. A few of those dudes there. Um, I, it, just, it just wouldn't work on the thing because what's the ceiling that we can have? We talked about it briefly if we were able also to get Russell Westbrook with Butler, but what is literally your ceiling with Chris Paul? Uh, who let's let's just be fair. Let's say Paul misses he's not injured for the entire season. 
but let's say he just misses a third of the season. What's your ceiling? Ooh. Is he even going to be there in the playoffs? Uh, I would have <laughs> I would have Chris Paul on the Dwayne Wade maintenance program. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, just and even then, that would that would hamper the Heat's performance. I would say because you're only going to have him for what three quarters of the season. So. Mm. In the Eastern Conference, uh, I still think Toronto is going to be able to field a good squad. Milwaukee is going to be good. Boston is still there. Indiana, Indiana will get Oladipo back. Um, and even the Sixers, uh, despite the fact that they paid uh, Ben Simmons a ton of money just to not be good, will still be good enough to be in the top four. So, oh God, what a bad contract. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, that's going to bite. He, that. He just three years in the league. Now he can't develop that shot. I, and, and even then, like, was it he, he – okay, if he drives to the basket, he'll sh- – you know, that's when he makes his shots. But if what he's if he's standing alone and he's wide open, he won't take the shot. He just no. won't. He'll just kick it out to somebody else, even though he's probably the best person to shoot at that point. So you got a guy who's afraid to shoot when, when really he's probably the best situation to shoot, and uh, and yeah, I mean. So uh, let's poo poo on this a little bit because I'm gonna poo poo on Ben Simmons real hard right now. Yeah. If you're driving a lot, if your game is layups and dunks and you know without it being assist, do you know what's the expectation? You're hoping to get fouled, right? Yeah. You're hoping to be fouled and you can at least get to the line. Ben Simmons just from 2018 and 2019. And he's had a young career, so I'm not gonna even be mean and attack his career. Free throw percentage, 60%, according to basketballreference.com. You're paying $180 million for a guy who's barely gonna kind of make it in sometimes? Yeah. And he can't even have a jump shot or make a three-point shooter? Yeah. You know, at least, at least, and what was his name? Because I was literally talking about him the other day. And now escaping, you had a point guard, the, the professor, Andre Miller. At least Miller learned something. Right. Yeah, because they're a kid. You play better defense, in my opinion. But why would you? Why not take that risk and be like, oh, you know, point guards, let's see what we can pick out. But let's pay a guy who, for five years, under a million. And here's the thing about ba- uh, basketball. That money is guaranteed, man. You either stretch it or <laughs> you trade that salary out. But he, that's what he's stuck to. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that's... Yeah, that's that's gonna come. At least Chris Paul, I know I'm getting a health concern, but if he's just missing a third of the season, then the idea is that he can at least relax into the corner and shoot. He's kind of clutch sometimes from back in the day because I remember when he went against San Antonio in the playoffs, like in 2014, and he just willed the Clippers to that next round. And he is, to a degree, if you value leadership. And if Hassan, uh, Udonis ever retires and leaves, he can be that voice that, even though he's not heat culture, he can at least be a veteran presence there. Right. Because we have a lot of young guys. Oh, yeah. No, it's, it's, it'd be great, great to have somebody uh, that's not Udonis Haslam sitting on the bench to be a good veteran presence. That's great. I, I still don't want him, though. I still think I'm still uh, with the notion that, okay, we're going to have Jimmy Butler. We're going to at least get... I would say four seasons good out of them before things fall apart. So I don't want maybe one, possibly two good seasons of Chris Paul, and then stuck with them for the next four, 
for the next two after that. Like, especially when you have a 2021 free agency class, which could put the t- the, the heat over the top in the Eastern Conference, especially in the Eastern Conference. Um, isn't isn't that what everybody's trying to avoid? That's now why they're going to dynamic duos and stopping the super teams is because you have these owners aside from you know Golden State and L.A. Well, L.A. still has to sign an extension for Davis, so we can't even speak on that yet because uh, he gets over a devastating knee injury and that's it. Yeah. Um, and like Philadelphia, who want to spend this money on three or four guys? Just remember, seventy sixers. It's Simmons. It's Embiid. It's Harris, and then Horford, which was a bad. I like Tobias Harris going there. I don't like Al Horford going for that amount of money uh, because what he's going to relatively play as your four. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I would say. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. So let's let's go cheap. Let's run the gambit, man. Jimmy Goron, Dion Waiters is healthy. So for what that's worth, he's going to take bad shots. But you yeah, he's healthy. He's probably going to be in better shape by this point. Um. Right. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't mind seeing another season of Dion, especially if he can even come close to what he did that what half season that he did with the Heat before he got injured in twenty seventeen. Yeah. He helped he yield him back into a forty one forty one record, right? Best yeah. he can do. Um, yeah. And then you know maybe we see. I, look, I don't think Harrow is going to get a lot of playing time. Well, he's he's just yeah he's just going to be a specialist, and I don't think and remember summer league. So not yeah, really, exactly. uh, not really much to gauge on. And uh, here's the thing about because was it last year? It was it was it. Trey Young looked like the worst player in the world, and then he shot up. Exactly. But here's the thing about justice: if he doesn't pan out for some reason, right? We can trade him because somebody will at least want that skill set, you know, because he's a tweener of a two and a three. Right. It was too kind to be a four. So you don't necessarily go for it, but he has a relatively cheaper contract because that's the great thing about the NBA market. Guys that you want to trade away a couple years ago, you don't have to wait one or two years so the market resets their price, and they're like, you know, that's not a bad contract. That's why we trade Josh Richardson. We're like, hey, this is a good contract to get rid of. Even even um, Whiteside, years we want him out, but someone was willing to say, hey, for one year at $25 million, I'll take that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Justice. Yeah, he's got a good contract, and I think, look, he's gonna be a great defensive player, so he's gonna be valuable regardless of uh, of where he goes. Even he's not gonna be a starter. The Heat tried that; they tried him at point guard, uh, which yielded some pretty interesting results. Um, but even then, was it? What was the odds that Vegas had on the Heat? I think it was like a 42 or 43 win season right now. So it's not that great of a projection even with Jimmy Butler right now. So let me ask you a better question, and this can apply to all sports really. If you know you're going to be in the middle of the hunt, and what you said with Jimmy last week, his ceiling, assuming all people are healthy, you know, their ceiling might be third or fourth seed, right? Yeah. If if you're going to be in this situation where you know you're not going to be hunt because of how stacked the Western Conference is, is that going to be something that deters you to just play the practical hand and not go for these exorbitant contracts and just hope that either people age out or, you know, a better free agent crop comes out? Well, I mean, that's the hope that I have the Heat. I, I hope the Heat are, are, are going to take in consideration because the 2021 class is supposedly going to be good. 
So I I'm taking the long view like okay the Heat can kind of uh, maybe be a very surprisingly all right team maybe have like a I I would say replicate what the Clippers did last season where weren't projected to be that good surprisingly had a really good season and, and then make the playoffs uh, with a pretty good core of players that just needed you know a superstar to get in there lo and behold they get um, I don't know if I don't know if you could call Paul George a superstar but uh, one superstar, yeah, superstar for sure. you would say superstar top 10 player oh yeah he's not like the Ben Simmons thing where you're saying hey um you know, I'm questionable at this guy, but you just gave him max money. This was a guy who. But I, okay, so let's say, but well, a very a complete player, that's for sure. Uh, yeah. They they have a complete player, um, him and Kawhi both, especially defensively. Dear lord, um, they. Um, so, what, what was my point again? Where was I going with this? Clippers being strong. Okay, I would say that the the Heat should. Do something like that where, okay, a team with Jimmy Butler looks like they could compete in the Eastern Conference. Uh, maybe go, maybe if they get past the first round, especially if they can kind of drop in at the maybe fifth seed or so and give the fourth seed uh, some, some, some trouble, get to a game seven in the first round or make it to the second round. It'd be really enticing, especially for uh, maybe get a disgruntled player uh, along the way. Look, uh, there, of course, there's still the rumors about Bradley Beal, uh, who uh, who does want to come to Miami. And and really, if you're going to trade for anybody, I'd, I'd do that over Chris Paul. Yeah, I mean, well, there's rumors about Washington One say, hey, if you want him, you got to take John Wall's contract, too. And nobody wants that, even though I like John Wall. But it's the kind of the Ben Simmons effect. Wall can score, but Wall can't hit threes for his life to depend on. So if you're not an all-around player, I don't believe I should give you that max max contract. To get that big money stuff, man, you got to be the jack of all trades. Because at least on everything that is required in checkbox, shooting from the perimeter, shooting from the three, shooting on the inside, playing decent defense. It's hard to say, hey, be a good defensive player in basketball because everybody's kind of a bad defensive player, um, especially with the way they do fouls and everything. But at least you gotta do more. Yeah, you, you gotta be a little bit better. You gotta be competitive. You gotta not take time off either. Yeah, yeah. I, of course. Um, I mean, look at uh, was it someone like Carmelo? He's just not value. Guys like that aren't even valuable anymore. Guys who are just what Carmelo is just full up, straight up, just points, points, points. Uh, hanging on yeah. to the ball, just a black hole, and doesn't play defense. Um, there's no value in that anymore. Does he go to LA? Carmelo? Yeah. Uh, they got money for him. Uh, um. Uh, I'm just trying to think, like, of the of the uh, after the scenario to, um, what is this mode? Am I literally just watching a scoreboard and I just choose? Uh, okay, hit batter. Uh, pitch around. Uh, <laughs> no idea what's going on here. What is this? Craig Council. You talk about player we remember forget. Uh, he's the manager of the Brewers and they're doing all right. So, uh, yeah. And he uh, scored the winning run for the Marlins in, uh, in 97. And was it uh, started that rally against Mariano? 
In 2001, right? Yes. Yeah. I have to hurt my feelings there. Yeah. No, man. I, I gotta bring up the good and the bad, dude. Uh. So what? What was the? I was like, so Carmelo. I, I don't think the Lakers would do that. I, I don't think LeBron would want them there, despite their 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 loyalties and friendships. Boy. They're banana boat boys. Yeah, but you've seen LeBron already. You know, he already left Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade when he thought they were too old and and feeble. Um, he already uh, has 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 been shown to say. To, to say, hey, you know, we'll, we'll be buddies, you know, off the field and stuff like that. It's but not, it's not you, it's me. Yeah, or, you know, it's not personal. It's just business type of stuff, you know. So I just, I don't see, um, and I'm just going to press A a bunch here and see what happens. Um, it just, holy crap. I'm just pressing A a bunch and I'm winning, so I have no idea what's going on. Um, I, I don't think Le, LeBron would want Carmelo there. So I say no. I say no. No Carmelo to LA. Wants his other banana boyfriend, Chris Paul, on the presumption that once Davis signs that extension, which would be next year, because why would he sign it early when he can get one more payout right. for a bigger market? Then you trade away Chris Paul. Uh Chris Paul will be what thirty-five at that point. Yes. LeBron will be thirty-five. Two different styles of play. Yeah. And two different kinds of history, uh, injury histories. Unless Chris Paul would want to go there on the basis of being like a second unit guy. He wants a ring. I mean, I can't say the Lakers are I, really potential, but it's an illusion. But it's an illusion they might want to chase. Yeah, I mean, he might be one of those guys, a ring-chasing guy. He doesn't care what the situation is, and he'll just... Well, speaking of, there's a situation mode here. I want to see what that's about. Um, oh, okay, you can just kind of put any sort of scenario that you want, men on base, whatever, see if you can work your way out of it. Um, so that's interesting. Um, let me try this World Baseball Classic thing again, because last time I tried to do something in it and nothing happened. So I guess I'll play as... How can I choose a... Oh, I see how this works. Okay. So I can just press A and do this. Sorry. Uh, play. And I was trying to figure out how to do this before. And it's like, okay. So I can actually play as Team USA versus Canada. America. America. All right. So um, even though I just let the computer do it, but whatever. Um what were you asking me again? Forgot. We got to Chris Paul beyond the Lakers. Uh, Chris Paul beyond the Lakers. I could see him being a ring chaser, especially at 35. Paul Malone. Yeah, because uh, that's kind of been the the narrative against him. Like he just can't seem to find a way to get it done, even though he's been in some pretty good scenarios uh, with the Clippers and the Rockets. Um, I guess riding the coattails and taking a seat back. Um, and I think LeBron James would probably be one of the few guys that could stand to have him on his team. Yeah. Yeah. That would be it. Alrighty. Uh, well, what other topics are there, dude? 
I think we hit everything. We're close to nine. Yeah, we talked. We survived another Andrewless week, but yeah. we need him because I am like dead for you on hockey. Oh, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's uh, I mean, there's there's some minor signings going on right now. All the major stuff is already out of the way for hockey, and hockey just doesn't have the same sizzle as NBA is right now. Uh, everybody's just kind of okay. Uh, everybody signed. Everybody's gone to their teams. Uh, right now, it's just some 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 stragglers out there, uh, and some AHL signings, some RFAs being signed, uh, and that's. I mean, really, the only significant thing was the uh, was it the um, the was it the offer sheet Sebastian Aho got from the Montreal Canadiens, and the then the Carolina Hurricanes just matched it, so. Um, and oh, uh, Roger Clemens just hit this guy, this Canadian guy, in the ribs. So shots fired, and we're gonna have to build a wall up north now. To uh, acknowledge BU, he says that college hockey news, um, what is it? They're elevating to D1. Uh, I'm trying to read as we go. Uh, we're possibly looking at the accident in Alaska and the nukes in Alaska Anchorage Seawolves by the end of the month. Oh, okay. So. <laughs> Uh, let me actually. Okay, so, I mean, call. I, I wish I could. I wish I followed college hockey a lot more strongly, uh, so I could comment on it. To be honest, because um, uh, college hockey's setup is a little different than uh, NCAA football or um, or basketball, really. So I'd have to become more well versed in that to speak on it, but. Outside of that, I think we've talked about everything, dude. It's, uh, it's it. almost nine o'clock, um, and yeah, Team USA is facing Canada right now. So, is that Johnny Damon? Dear Lord, <laughs> I'm just looking at all these old, all these, all these old names here. This, is, this, is... we have that material for players in the past. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, there's this whole game. I could just do that segment. Really, we could just do that next week. It's like, hey, let's do a, a an episode long players remember to forget, uh, and just go through these old old rosters and old lineups, especially this one because anything past like ninety five, and I probably won't recognize a lot of players. Uh, but f- moving forward from there, uh, you know, there's a lot of players I probably would recognize. But all right, so that, I guess that's it. We'll we'll call it from here. Uh, oh gosh, their budget was crippled. Dear Lord, that's very sad. Sad note to end on. Oh, Alaska, uh, get get some get taxpayer dollars in there and see what happens. So, all right, guys, we'll we'll see you guys next week. Adios. Alaska, Alaska, learn to be better. Have a good night, everybody. <laughs>
He swings and misses at the splitter. 0 and 1. He throws. Can't catch up that time with a swing and a miss. He's way ahead in the count. All the pressure falls on the hitter now. He's got to make contact. Here's a swing and a fly ball to right center. Hartley is there and he puts it away for right number three. First pitch on the way. And this is going away for ball one. The 1-0 pitch. Lays foul to the right side. Here's the 1-1 one one pitch. The 1-1 one one pitch is a fastball. Swung on and missed. 1-2. and two. The 1-2 pitch coming. Swings it. Lines this one towards the hole. And that's into right field for a base hit. John, now they're really in business. A base hit for a You've got to be disciplined. up in the ground front corner. And power. A check swing, but they're appealing it. Now the 1-1 one, one pitch, here it is. Swing and a miss on a fastball, and it's 1-2. and two. He delivers, and he swings and hits this one foul. Here's the 1-2 pitch on the way. Big swing and a miss on a fastball, and he struck it out. One away, one on, one out. First pitch, swing. First five? Then there's more hope because you see Odorizzi or Rosso twice, but also they have some long ball guys. And who happens to give up a lot of home runs now? The Yankees. Oh, for, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's the guy who made the complaint about the juice balls. So listen, I'm I'm already on the psychology of it. I wouldn't want to play Tampa because I think at the end of the season we'll split the series, even though we'll win. Um, because Blake Snell and a couple of other pitchers are that good, Chris Archer and all that. Mm -hmm. I think actually Chris Archer's out, but whoever they have in there um but yeah we in theory we were like the central guy but we were like the central team and the alcs mm. so it plays uh, out on the ALS, it just really depends on you'd want well if the only well that the scenario f i mean would be if somebody upset the astros so that that's what you'd be hoping for is someone to upset the astros in order to not face them and I find that very difficult because, um, well, you guys would have to, because if you win your division and have the best record in the American League, you'll face off against the, a wildcard team. Wildcard team most likely will, either be, will probably be either Tampa or Boston. Um, um, it could be actually Oakland. Oh, yeah. The, well, I mean, the, yeah, that's, oh, that's true as well. But, I mean, would you want, I mean, because you, you. I mean, I you, want Cleveland. Okay. So, Cleveland completely because they only have Carlos Santana. Because you don't want to face one of your division rivals because they've already seen you so many times they probably would find a way to match up against you. Pretty much. Um, so, especially those two. So, yeah, you'd want either yeah Cleveland or Oakland to win that spot. I would love Oakland because Oakland has a bunch of no-name teams that are gritty. But they can't come back from being down like by two runs, right? And that's the game of the long ball. Because, mm -hmm. yeah, if you go, I'm just, <laughs> I still don't see Houston being upset though. That's the I, thing. I don't. But that's just the hope is that they do. I mean, barring them facing, let's say, 
let's say they face the wild card team and it is somebody like the Red Sox who, you know, has the experience as one of the champions, defending champions and all that stuff. I could see them defeating Houston. But then you guys have to face them the following round. And you'd have and if you face the Red Sox in the American League Championship Series, I will fucking cry. That I would be the worst person. That's going to be a seven game series. Yeah. <laughs> and which we will lose cuz we break against the Red Sox. They've had our number in the last couple of playoff meetings. We just can't complete it. I mean, seven game series or god forbid you guys lose in 5. I don't want it because you know what's going to happen. Chris Sale is going to show up, mm-hmm. uh, and all the other pitchers they had are going to show up, and then everybody's going to like freeze on us. And then this is the concern when you have a monster lineup: is that one good pitcher could just shut down that lineup. Oh yeah, and then, and, well, I mean, especially now because what I mean, major league uh, batting averages are down, but power is up. So you guys are teams are just relying more on the big, big, giant hit, which is we are the. The personification of that exactly so you know we traded for edwin carson because we're like you know what screw it we want you to be afraid of all eight to nine guys that we're doing right but <laughs> i mean that you're gonna have a lot of strikeout batters i mean freaking john carlo alone uh judge as well judge yeah just strike out batters and a great pitcher is gonna mow them down We're just here to be... Unless you can find a way to get into a slugfest with the Astros, which is very possible. Short porch in Yankee Stadium, a very tiny field in Minute Maid. Madison Bumgarner for Clint Frazier. There you go. We're not using him. That's true. He's too good for AAA, but he's not good enough to be in our lineup because Brett Gardner is Mr. Yankee, and we will die on the mountain that we love him too much instead of putting in the right successor. Or if you give me Syndergaard or somebody else that's on the Mets, a.k.a. DeGrom, then I would be happy. Oof. I, I don't know how you'd pry him away from the Mets. Oh, Mets are blowed up, man. We take like we take that contract. We trade away I, Clint Frazier. I, I, feel then, like, oh, I feel like the Mets weren't willing to go down that road of completely blowing it up. I feel like done. they – I know they're done. They are obviously done, but I feel like the Mets uh, – they don't. They, they have very poor judgment, and would not even do that, even though it would net them so many valuable uh, prospects and draft picks. We will give you him, and we'll give you other prospects, and then it's done. Oh yeah. Please, please. <laughs> I don't care if he becomes a free agent. In baseball, there's plenty of guys that you just rent for the minute, and then you go from there. The Cubs did it when they did Chapman, and they won a World Series with them. That's true. Just, yeah. just give give it to me. Give me what I want. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, I'm going to go eat dinner, buddy. Good All time. right, dude. Good show. Good uh, night. All right, take care. The 1-2 pitch, and he swings and misses at the splitter. 